0: Block Talk Radio. Well, there's supposed to be some music playing, but it doesn't appear that there is, so yay for technology. Hey, 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 thank you for joining us on Drive Through HR. I am your host, Crystal Miller Late, and I am joined by the effervescent and fabulous Jennifer Tharp. Jen, you introduce yourself better than anyone I know. So, we kind of all do that for ourselves, right? So, why don't you introduce yourself to those who might be listening today to HR's number one internet talk show on HR. Excellent. You know, it's funny. Like Crystal said right
1: before we got started, I'm going to let you introduce yourself again. And the only thing I can think of is the Digital Underground song. And I'm like, you know, just let me introduce myself. My name is Jit, Oh, so anyway, bad rap. But Every if you have the appreciation. <laughs>
0: Every single time I talk about introduction, like, all I want to hear in the background is, allow me to reintroduce myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so glad to be here again, right? Like, we had a good conversation yesterday. So I'm Jen Terry Tharp. I was at AT&T for years, which is probably where most of you know me from. I led talent acquisition there for a long time, and now I have, am at Jovio, and I am the VP of Strategic Initiatives, which includes HR, internal comms, a bunch of things related to our conversation today, and I'm glad to be back, Ms.
0: Crystal. Woo-hoo. So, I'm uh, I'm glad you're here, too, because Basecamp is a big, beautiful cluster of things. So, we kind of covered the gamut yesterday, and what we told people who were listening is that we would be talking about Basecamp debacle from the standpoint of communications and, I think, employee retention. That sounds right to me. So, you know, like, where do you want to start? I'm going to throw this to you. Okay. So, I thought about this last night. And there's a,
1: so there's two communication angles. So let's take the internal comms angle first and let's just, like, flush it out, right? So I'm sitting here now in my first comprehensive all-HR role, right? At AT&T, I had little pieces here and there, but, like, now I'm HR. And I'm thinking, okay, so if even the ideal situation, I think that we can all agree would have been, or maybe it was, right? Like, we're – Monday morning quarterback game, we talked about this, but the ideal situation when there's going to be a big change in something that is core to your company, no matter what that is, the ideal situation is for HR to be on the front end of that, right? To do some, we call them Ben Duffies, like what if, like put yourself in their shoes, yeah. like, right, like, like what does that look like? So the, ideally that situation would have been covered with some what-if scenarios. And I probably would have started with, like, what if this isn't taken as a positive thing? (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's start there. (laughs) And
0: and, and so, go ahead, Crystal. Oh, no, I was going to say, I feel you. Let's pause there, though, because I think, like, up to that point, there are several little steps in there and I was talking with. Okay, again, not to be redundant, but a lot of you know that I'm studying with the um, University of Wales, and we're in an HR module right now. And, um, it's, so one of my cohorts was talking about how, like, there's just so much to HR, right? And, and there is, like, in any specific sector of HR, like, if you take communications as an example, um, there's a lot within that. But when you look at this with base camp, like, what you're really looking at is a pair of three or four different sections of HR and business management, right? So you've got the change management piece of it. You've the communications piece management of it, like the um, organizational change and structure piece of it. So like, there's all these things in here. So, yeah, I would expect them to kind of lay out a, a you know, what's the business problem we're trying to solve? What's the strategy in which we're going to attack it? And what, what's the change management pathway and framework that we need to build for it? And then what's the communication? And the communication, like, it's kind of one of the last steps, right? But it should inform them on what, why, how, and how you know, like how that impacts them moving forward. Do you think that happened?
1: You know, so I'm I'm going to answer that question with a question. Do you think that usually happens? I mean, forget baseball, but Do you think that usually
0: happens? Right? I, mean, I mean, in the way we learn it in school now. <laughs>
1: And 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 so shout out to all my HR brethren out there, right? Like part of this is like the skill to facilitate that even when it's not natural or the agenda of others, right? Like so trying to make sure that you get as much of that done so that you can be as effective in your communication and planning as possible, right? Like so, so yes, yes, but the reality is it very rarely happens like it's supposed to. It's, no. Do I
0: think it happens here? Not, Maybe. It it kind of hard. Well, it makes it hard to defend, I would think, if you're not doing that stuff, and on the back end you have, whether it's a PR backlash, like space campus spacing, or, you know, an employment law issue, um, heaven forbid, that you have to then subsequently deal with, either with, like, the Workforce Commission or through an EEOC suit. Like, the, if you have an outline these things, how do you defend the decisions that are made? Not, and maybe even just outside of that, how do you defend it with the workforce that remains? Like, there's still a communication piece. That's what we were going to talk about today. There's still a communication piece to those people as well It's not just the people that choose to like stay in RSE later. Yeah. So, so let's sort of let, let's let's talk about that. So,
1: in an ideal situation, we would have gone through all of the steps and we would have understood all of the things, and the communication would have been, from my perspective. I mean, and, and this is interesting because other people approach. What you say or how you say it, even differently, depending on the culture of your company. But you know, I spent a lot of time at AT and T, and we were really direct, right? Like I'm finding as I'm working with other companies, AT and T was much more direct than I ever gave them credit for. <laughs> and and so uh, was maybe part of this, like a pull off the band aid and just have radical candor. I mean, like th- does it feel like that, maybe?
0: Does it feel like it? It feels like that's probably, well, I don't know. Because, like, it's hard to say, yeah, he wanted random, you know, Jason Frieden and, and people that made that decision wanted radical candor when part of that is we no longer want your feedback. Like, that, that to me, and maybe it wasn't as broad as we don't want your feedback, right, it's, we don't want special interest groups. We don't want, it's like saying we don't want our employees to collaborate with each other. Why on earth would you say that, right? But companies do it every day. So, so I don't know that you can say yes. I want radical candor at the same time that you're saying I don't want, um, I don't want feedback in any form.
1: And I believe that employees heard exactly what you just said. Do oh, you I think, think so, that too, was the intention? I'm,
0: just, I'm gonna say God. I hope not because, like, I just. I would just like to think that, all right, let's step back for a second. There is a a line of thinking, and I'm not saying it's true, so please CEOs of the world do not email me and say that I'm calling you a narcissist. However, there is a line of thinking that says that successful CEOs have an element of narcissism to them. It's part of what allows them to push forward their own agendas and, and be the visionary and all these things. If you follow that line, um, then it's, I can see how you can connect the dots from that to this person probably felt like people probably felt like he would explain this. People would get it; it would be great, and they would move on. As opposed to he would explain it, and people would think you're trying to stifle my identity, you're trying to keep me from collaborating, you're trying to keep me from being able to be my whole self at work. Which I think is more what happened. Thank you
1: for your question. I think so. I, <laughs> I think so, and well, I, and and so. So taking a step away from base camp and just understanding that, like, leadership, no matter what that means, whether that's your CEO or your head of sales or – I always use sales because they tend to go off the rails, right? Like, broad generalization. But sales teams Mm -hmm. tend to sort of be very action-driven. And so lots of times, especially if there's an internal calm or something that needs to be said to the team, I I don't know that they're always as patient as maybe other people, particularly in a corporate environment. So no matter who you're – I'm right like no matter who your person is preaching right like because cause I'm going to call this communication or this type of communication less thought out and a little more in the moment and from the gut like let's not say heart because sometimes they're not very heart feeling conversations mm-hmm. so when that when that decision is made and you are no part of it and it's going to happen or it's happening and you're witnessing it as the person in HR, like I want, I want to. Uh, my my gut reaction is to triage, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I I want to triage. So so we talked about like it would be awesome if we knew ahead of time and we could help make that message go to the right people in the right way. Maybe involve others so that you know, we sort of spread the spread the capital of the message across multiple groups or right? all those things. But if that doesn't happen and you're seeing yourself in a triage moment where something that is definitely divisive was said, like, I sort of feel like you – I say this all the time at work. I feel like you need to raise your hand and cry foul, right? Like, yeah. Silly, silly analogy, but, like, I don't know if anybody out here played basketball when you were a kid, but when I was playing basketball in my front yard – Um, I would if I fouled somebody, I would be like, "Oops, foul, my bad," right? We didn't have a referee. But now you watch like LeBron or whoever, like Steph Curry, whoever. You watch them, and they're like, "I didn't do it, I didn't do it," right? Like there's this whole different, there's this whole different mentality of not wanting to take blame or responsibility, and I feel like when you kind of mess up a message like this or it doesn't hit as you expected, the best thing to do is cry foul and get back to playing the game in a way that honors everybody who remains.
0: Well, you know, it's re- interesting re- reactions say that. to that. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that you say that, and along those lines, like, Somebody had mentioned, and I think we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Like, well, Basecamp hasn't really seen any fallout from their big customers. Well, first of all, we don't know that because Basecamp is a private company. We just know that you know large customers haven't <laughs> haven't talked to the media about changing their their tool, uh, their Project Management tool. But um, but that being said, like we're expecting. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. We're expecting people to be able to um, self moderate, right? And and the problem with self moderation and the problem with owning accountability for these kind of things and and did Basecamp really lose anything out of this? We no, don't we don't really know. But yeah, no, I'm sorry, I lost it. I totally lost that. No, I, I mean, well, but
1: no, but to that point, we do know they lost some really top talent. The question is, was this was that intended? Right? Was that their intended outcome? I have to think no. So.
0: Well, and so, I see, and I don't ahead. know that I agree with that. I don't, I don't know that you can, and, and I've, I've looked at this and, and argued with myself on this, I don't know that you can do this kind of thing and not expect to lose at least some percentage of people more than you, right? You can't walk into this and think, well, nobody's going to take this. Everybody's going to think I'm brilliant and say and whatever. I'm going to make that kind of conversation, that insensitive kind of approach and not have some level of fallout for it. So I have to think on some level they wanted some people to believe. And once they went down that road, anybody with half a brain, and we have to assume this, this person has half a brain, and the people around them have brains as well, like, you know, you have to factor in some level of unplanned attrition. Now, to the degree that they received, uh, at the level of noise that, and blowback that came from it, probably not. But But some of it they had to have expected. I just can't. I can't fathom anything other than that. Like, no, no one at that level can be that blind, and certainly not their HR person. Can they? Yeah, and uh, agree. I, and I, and
1: maybe uh, to your point, some intended, some unintended consequences when it comes to headcount. And I think that that's true in any situation when you sort of have one of when you when you have. Uh, mm-hmm an unplanned communication that sort of hits your employees maybe at their core, at their, you know, whole self being, bring yourself to work, am I behind this, right? And that may matter less yes. individually as you get larger, but in a very small company, I mean, even even four times the size of Basecamp, right? Like a message like that is certainly going to stir up some not good feelings about something that you may have felt neutral or good about before, right? Like you're going to get some detractors from this message.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly, I mean, for a couple of different reasons. And I think the first is because it. It is more or less saying, like, you are not capable of self-moderating your conversations. And as an adult, I think we're all fairly sensitive to that. Um, I know as a parent, I'm super sensitive to, the, uh, to it when my, even my grown children are telling me, well, we can't talk about that. Like, or you don't know what you're talking about. Or, you know, you shouldn't say these things. Like, dude, I am an adult and I've been an adult for a long time. I don't need somebody else telling me what I can and can't talk about. So there's that piece of it. I haven't really experienced that in a work context, but I expect I would feel much the same. The other piece of it is around um, self-actualization, right? And so when we go back to, when we talked about this yesterday, when we go back to the concept of um, identity politics and inclusion and equity at work and belonging, like all of those things are wrapped into um, concepts of self-actualization within, you know, our psyche. And so the when you mess with that when you when you as a leader or an HR and you know as an organization you're putting out messages that impact my sense of self-identity or leads me to believe that there is a lack of respect for that area, then it, it does damage that self-actualization because again, we spend the majority of our waking hours in the service of Another company, not ourselves, not just ourselves, right? So there's that piece of it. Um, I think we have to look at how to do it better, right? Like, so if we are an HR talk show, and we're talking about a current event, but we should, we should probably help look at how could this have been addressed better. So it's not just let's bang on base camp for another thirty minutes. <sighs> totally. So, so my two cents, right? Like,
1: it, if everything happens like. If, if, if I could start over and look into the crystal ball and do whatever I wanted, my approach would probably have centered around putting the problem out to the employee group, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. hey, here's the problem. We feel like this is taking away from this. Like, I'm sure they didn't have any actual qualitative data that showed that it was, or maybe they did. But, right, like, we feel like this is taking us away from what we should be talking about on here. We understand it's a sensitive topic. You're sort of the brain trust. Like, give us some advice. That, that might have been where I would start
0: yeah, and, and maybe he did, maybe he didn't you know i don't know I think that's a good place. I think when you 've decided to make any kind of significant change to um, to your organization, anything that may impact someone 's sense of self or their belief on what you value as an organization or how you're Organization perceive their own personal values. You have to you have to manage it much in the same way that you would manage a layoff, right? So, the first piece of it I think is setting up the you know what why how getting that strategy in place, understanding that that is a change management project as it relates to your organization. You are changing from what was the, the status or what is the status quo to the what will be, you know, your new reality, whatever that is. So, you know, you set that up and then you have to create change communications around it. And when you're building a change communications plan, you know, from an employer brand perspective, like I like to see communications plans in three different ways. And the first is internal, right? So what am I going to tell my people, the people that are impacted by this directly and the people that are indirectly impacted about this because everyone is impacted by change management. And so then the next, Piece of it, and if you disagree, stop me at any place here because I'm kind of on a tangent. (laughs) Um, Keep going, keep going. On the the next piece of it, there's the external. So, what am I going to tell as it relates to candidates? So, what am I going to tell prospective employees? Because chances are you are still recruiting while all of this is going on, and if you're not, you're going to have to afterwards. So there's going to be a conversation with people who aren't part of your company but have heard about what happened. So how do you message this out in a way that is very respectful of impacted employee dignity? And and I think companies fail here a lot because a lot of our communications around whether it's layoff or change management on policies or whatever is done in such a way to protect them empo- uh, to protect the employer, right? It's, it's either written by legal or it's sanitized by legal, but it goes through legal and it has a very legalistic sound to it. It's very dispassionate and very disconnected from um, any kind of humanity. Right? It's, it's businessy. And that's problematic, when you're looking at bringing someone in because why do we leave jobs? We leave jobs because we feel disrespected because we feel misunderstood. Like we leave because of bosses, most of the time, 70% of the time ish. So if that's why we're leaving, that's a very human personalized reason, right? That then gets met with this sanitized, legally blessed speak around why something negative occurred within the organization. Those two things don't jive. So, I think the next piece is like crafting humanized communication to your prospective um, employees, your candidates, so you can continue to recruit. But then there's a third element that has to be met and that's around crisis communications and PR. And that's a whole discipline within itself. But those three communications um, streams should have um, elements of sameness, but they're going to be different. Different. You have to tailor all of those things to your individual individual um, your individual audiences and recognize that, you know, what you want to say to the Wall Street Journal is going to differ from what you say to an individual candidate, and that's okay. Um, And we don't do a good job of that, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. Poor job. I, I, I also, communication is largely written, particularly around a crisis, to mitigate risk and try to almost Sanitize the the bad action right and and it comes across so not genuine and and, and especially with your employment brand and your future employee communication, right like there's mm-hmm. like the worst thing to do is act like it didn't happen right? like There's nothing worse, in my opinion, than acting like it didn't happen, right? Like, you have, you have to be as transparent as possible, because if you don't tell the story, somebody else will make up their own story, and it is likely far worse than the actual one, right? Like, so oh, you have to sure. narrate they're it in some way.
0: Yeah, go back to the context of Base Camp. Do you think that the people leaving, who are the people telling the, the majority, doing the majority of the talking, do you think that they're telling the same story that Jason Fried would? Or their head of HR would. And my my guess is the answer is no. <laughs> you know? And and what well, do you do, do it. when it's wholly disparate
1: from what the you know, like when those two messages are totally on different realms, right? Like I dealt with a lot I dealt with a lot of layoffs at AT and T, right, where people were laid off and then we'd have to hire other positions, right? Like just because we're downsizing one area doesn't mean we're not growing in another. And how in doing that in a way that honors and doesn't disparage the person that's impacted is super huge in my book, right? Like we should never talk foul of the departed.
0: Oh, agree for sure. Um, But we also shouldn't be like, we can't talk about it completely. I mean, there's a, there's a middle ground, right? There okay. are always things that you can say without getting into the things that you can't say. But let's put a quick pin on this because we're a little bit late for our reset. If you are just joining in, you are listening to Drive Through HR. Um, we are the Internet's, I believe, longest, if not, we are among the longest, um, Internet radio talk show for human resources and all things related to it. I am joined today by Jennifer Tharp, again, because she's fabulous. Um, who is the VP of Strategic Initiatives for Jovio. Um, We're talking Basecamp, but we're not really talking Basecamp. I think we're talking more about communications and impact. But for the last eight-ish minutes that we have left, I think we have to hit on the people that stay, right? So if there's anything else you want to say around the layoffs that you've managed and whatnot with with AT&T and other companies, Jen, like let's do that and then let's pivot a little bit to, like, how we talk to those who leave, or, or not, sorry, those who did not leave. Those so who, who stay. stay, yeah.
1: Yeah, yes. so I'll, I'll wrap up and, and sort of TSR up on the next topic all in one, right? So, so being very clear about why people have left, and if they've been very clear about why they've left, there's no reason to ignore it, period. And now no. you have to go back to the business of doing business, right? And even though it's unfortunate and all of the things, all the things, right? The people that stay have a first, had a hand look at what was going down. So if you try to spin that incorrectly, you're just going to come off as fake, right? So I'm a, I really believe that you just have to address that head on and, and that communication becomes an acknowledgement, and then an opportunity to build what it does look like in a way that supports the business, right? Like, I don't think that you can no. just direct and dictate. Otherwise, you're waiting for people to leave, right? you just, you got to get them involved in the solution.
0: Oh, for sure. You know, I think that um, for anyone who's looking for resources on this, there there was a really great article um, by Forbes last year that was talking about the impact of all of this. It's basically the paradox of – the, the departure of employees, whether it's layoffs, plans, unplanned, or because mass exodus, I guess it doesn't really matter. The impact is that your engagement with the remaining employees drops. And it drops at a time where you need them to be more productive, more engaged, and more um, tightly knitted to each other, right? But because of human psychology and the impact of it's a loss, Right. You, you, your employees almost go through stages of grief when they deal with a uh, exiting, like uh, a significant number of exiting people. Mm-hmm. And so they, they get a little paralyzed. And the subsequent thing is that it causes engagement to drop. But at any rate, Ford has an article on this from July 23rd of 2020 um, by Radhika Phillips. I probably did not pronounce that correctly, and I'm sorry for that. Um, but I would recommend that that you take a look at that. And one of the things they talked about in there, and one of the reasons I like it so much, is they talk about establishing this workforce transition philosophy, and it's it's more intentional. So let's, let me hear i Am I? Are we good?
1: I'm totally with you. Ben? I'm following.
0: Okay. <laughs> I was, I was, um, mute,
1: I was wait, muted, but I came off mute to give you words of affirmation, Crystal.
0: I'm on it. <laughs> thank you. I, I worried for a little bit, but I'm going off on a tangent. But um, so, so when they're talking about workplace philosophy, there's a couple of things. I think part of the reason that the morale drops and engagement drops is obviously the psychological, but the other piece of it is it's abrupt, right? Like you didn't have weeks to transition all of that work. You didn't have this transition philosophy that allows for business continuation without interruption. And so um, creating that, like establishing those values, those principles that the organization and subsequently that the managers and the different functions and teams will live out throughout these changes will help. I mean, if you're doing a layoff and it's planned, whether you communicated that in advance or not, you, you kind of know the teams that it's going to be impacting. Like everybody should learn each other's work. They'll get a little more protective right? Because, you know, there's that feeling of like, are you trying to transition that work off of me? But the reality is for the people that remain, it makes it easier for them to be able to continue doing what they're doing. And then the other piece of it is like your company has to have um, transparency, uh, you know, in communicating the basis for the decisions that they make, right? So they talked about with Basecamp going back and saying like, hey, I think political conversation is stifling our ability to get work done. It's, It's impacting our relationships at work, we don't want to do these things. Um, so we're not going to have these conversations on public channels. If you want to have it through Signal, WhatsApp, whatever, then that's your business. Like there was some communication there. But I think we're, from what we've seen, again, not having been in the room, from what we've seen, like not offering the rationale and how there's a way to come back to whole self acceptance from that is where it fell down. That's my opinion. What are your thoughts? So. Yes to all of those
1: things. And a good example and and you can help employees do that as an HR person by establishing affinity groups and things that aren't necessarily part of your company but are in support of your company and in support of your employees. You can set up mechanisms and groups and things and ways to do that. In a way that would have allowed you to remove yourself, that would allow you as, your, as a business owner or as an executive team or whatever, to remove yourself from the uncomfortable part if that's not where you want to be as a, as a company and still allow employees an opportunity to coalesce together in a way that still supports the business Right, like you, you can do both things. Mm-hmm. Those two things didn't have to, don't have to be exclusionary. Uh, I think a lot about at AT and T. If you don't know this, we're widely known for our employee resource groups or affinity groups. We have several of them. Amazing groups, right? Like do, do tons of philanthropic work, but they are they are actually their own separate charities and operate independent of AT and T, right? Like they're included of AT and T employees. You can do all of those things, but when layoffs and things happen, particularly in a large group, like as an example, uh, our technician pole climber type fellas back in the day, right? We don't need as much of that anymore because more things are digital and internet based, right? And a lot of those were Mm -hmm. veterans. And like the last thing we want to do is like when we're having layoffs, the last thing that we would want is for somebody to not be equipped. So we empowered our veterans employee resource group to help support the layoffs uh, and the transition of work of the people in their e r g right like so that so that not only is the company giving support and help, but also the social group can give support and help help without putting the company at risk like it's it's not a hard thing to i do. love uh, it's just,
0: I love that I gotta stop you because we're, we're we're out of time <laughs> but always but i I love that. I know there's never enough time. I love that I think that's a great way to approach it, and I hope more organizations do that. Jen, if, if people wanted to reach out to you to be able to talk about anything and how they communicate, important brands, strategic um, approaches to communications, and, and whether they're hiring or not, how would they reach you?
1: Jen at Jovio. Isn't it awesome? I'm, we're so small, I'm my, my own name. Or I'm also <laughs> at JTerryRecruit on Twitter.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again for such a wonderful, wonderful show. I want to have you back to talk about I'm starting an HR function from scratch, but we'll get together and figure out a good time for that. Um, For everybody else, thanks for listening. We have a host show on Friday. I hope you'll join us, and we're going to roll it on out. Have a great day, guys.